Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round one recap for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational Storyline, Scorecards, and betting odds for the rest of the week. Joining me to break it all down, Kyle Porter is here. KP, hello, sir. What up? I'm 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 trying to add up speed strokes gained approach over the last eight rounds. He's gonna he's gonna win the Masters. D- hold on, don't don't do that. I'll I'll send you his distance per shot. And we'll see if you feel the same way. <laughs> he, uh, I don't know why I'm leading with speed. It, it just caught my eye that he, uh, he shoots 68. He can't, he can't put, oh, look at this. This is a professional, professional producing here by, by producer Josh. Can't get the cameras right, but he's got the graphics ready. Uh, no, I'm just giving you a hard time, Josh. Speeth 68. Can't throw it in the ocean. Can't can't put it in the ocean. Whatever the phrase is, he's kind of hitting it well, though. I'm kind of excited. It doesn't take a lot to get me excited about speed, but still. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, but I've been here before. I I, I you know, let's see a second round. Let's see a let's see a third round. He actually does this a lot. So you and I generally do the Thursday nights. He's always in it on a Thursday night. We I feel <laughs> I like we talk it. about him at a ridiculously it, high rate. He did this at uh, Sony, and then he missed the cut. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Check, long, long check in this time tomorrow. Uh, spoiler alert. John Rahm, very good at golf. Seven, Unbelievable. Seven under 65. I'm sure uh, Josh will show us the scorecard. If you're not watching on YouTube these days, you are missing out. John Rahm out of the gate, birdie, 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 then plays his next, what is that, 11 holes, even par, then finishes eagle, birdie, birdie. So did all the work on the bookends of this thing. Yeah, sorry, I'm still adding this speed thing up. <laughs> he uh, he said that after his round, too. He, he, he kind of talked about how he ended the way he began, and he's just... Man, the thing that struck me about him, and they were talking about this on the broadcast, and I'm glad they brought that up, and the numbers bear it out. He didn't drive it that well. I think he was negative off the tee. And he's just – we've talked about this a million times, Rick. He's so good in every facet. And I tweeted I tweeted the meme of like the, ty- uh, the, like the upgrade meme from Tiger to Rom, which is mostly a joke. But like I, I just – I don't – yeah, there it is. I, I don't know – that people are the, the ROM thing is weird, man. Like the way that fan, the way that I guess people on Twitter receive him is kind of like, yeah, okay, let's see if he does it in a major. And I'm going, no, you don't understand what's going on right now. This is like DJ and what was the year he fell down the stairs? Uh, 17, 
18 I think it was 17 17 when he he wins three going into to the masters this is like that but better and according to rom's career more sustainable at least at this level so i'm just i i think i mean he's been in the top seven on the leaderboard in 19 after 19 of his last 21 pga tour rounds (laughs) which that can't happen right like that doesn't happen and it's happening and i just don't know that people are fully this is the best field of the year rick and he beats the field after two wins and three or whatever the numbers are five wins and nine starts he beats the field by seven strokes on thursday to start out what could be his third elevated or designated win in in four starts yeah, so like what's different, right? Because we're we're already seeing the stats and they're they're true, right? He's gaining over three strokes per round this season. There's still a lot of season to go, but it's a very, very small list of guys that have done this for an entire year. We haven't even played a major yet. I get it, yada, yada, yada. So what's different? Is it win luck? Is it the short game has been fixed? You know, we were sitting here in the offseason, and I think both you and I pegged John Rahm as like, buddy, this this rubber band is going to snap back. This pendulum is going to swing the other way and it's going to be super scary in no way. Did I think he was maybe going to win four of his first like six PGA tour starts and add a couple in worldwide, but this was, this was coming. Yeah, it's, um, it's not, it's not win luck. I, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I'm I'm kind of looking through it right now. So 20. Uh, I'll just go last. Uh, we'll go back to 2020. So expected PGA Tour wins 2020 was 2.3. He won two. Okay. Uh, 21. It was 2.3. He won one. Okay. Uh, 22. It was 2.5. He won three. So that's kind of all even. His expected wins in 2023, Rick, is already above three, (laughs) which is not a number that he's touched or really gotten that close to in any of the last, what what was that, uh, four years. So he's won the expect, I mean, he's won the number of tournaments that he's been expected to win. I I don't, I mean, it's, 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 it's putting, right? Like it's short game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a stat in the offseason. So he he had a historic driving year last year. He gained at least a stroke yeah. off the tee, which is like there's, it's only happened like 15 times. And he got the least out of it of anyone who has ever done that historically. The average for those guys was like 2.8 wins. They averaged like third on the FedEx Cup points or the money list or whatever. It was just like he got nothing out of it. He got one win in Mexico out of it. When mm-hmm. He was a three mm-hmm. and a half to one favorite to win it. And so he's, he's still that guy. And now he has still has the great short game, but he is just lights out with the flat stick. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's putting. It's also you know, and this is a little anecdotal, uh, but it's also statistically true. This is the best he's ever hit his irons, and I, I wonder. Surely he's talked about that or been asked about it. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen, maybe you've seen a, a response to that or an answer to that. No. Cause I would be very, I'd be very curious about that. Um, whether he's being more aggressive or playing a little bit safer, or hitting more toward the middle of the green or what, because the, the putting is it's, it's, it's better than it's better than his average, but it's not, it's not crazy. Like it's not, 
uh, at a at a rate where you're like this is out of control the the iron play has been really good and i don't know if that's a distance control thing i don't know if that's a golf ball thing but i i would be i wish i was out there because i would ask him about it at api but i i would be very curious to kind of talk to him more in depth about about that part of it uh, John Rahm will get a quick turnaround. He will be out there on Friday morning. He has two shots clear of Chris Kirk, Cam Young, Kirk Kitayama. Where do you want to go, KP? Kirk or Cam Young? Uh, I Well, both are interesting. I, I think Cam Young is somebody that – I can't remember if I had him in any of my bets this week. Uh, I, I liked him a lot coming into the week. Did I throw him in uh, – I think I had him for a, for a win. Somebody did. Hold on. I'll pull it up. I think Patrick and I think both of us did because I switched over to uh, Patrick and you flopped from Rory. Rory to Cam Young. Yeah, which that was that was a that was sharp. <laughs> turns out to be a good call. <laughs> you know, Cam Young, it, it's it's it feels a little Scotty Scheffler-ish from the end of 2021, where you and I are sitting here saying, "Hey, need to win." Need to win, kind of got to, you know, what, what's the deal here? And he could win three of his next seven, and that wouldn't be stunning, you know? Um, is he going to? Probably not, because the fields are <laughs> freaking good right now. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's probably the best player in the world. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't say this off the cuff, but I think he's the best player in the world that's never won a PGA Tour event. Fleetwood? Like right now, he's probably the best player in the world that's never won a tour event. That's pretty good. I'm scrolling through the list of names, and I cannot find another that I would counter with. So, yes. It's either him or Sahith. Or Fleetwood. Or Fleetwood. I think it's Cameo. Yeah, I think it is too. And, you know, people I talk to are, are like, hey, this guy might be the best driver in the world. And I think that is not something that we – like when you think best driver in the world, your, your, your brain doesn't go immediately to Cam Young, right? That is an opening 567 for Cam Young. He goes from 36 to 1 to 18 to 1. Chris Kirk at it again, fresh off his victory at Honda, says, uh, I play well at Bay Hill. I might as well just continue. His last four years have all been top 15s, and he is right there again, KP. Yeah, he's been awesome at Bay Hill. Do I sound okay? Or the AirPods. Yeah, you sound great. I don't know what I don't know Kirk, what happened. That was weird. Uh, yeah, Kirk's been, I, I was, you know, coming into this week, I, I was kind of doing some research on him. I was shocked. I, I, I didn't really remember him playing as well as he did at Bay Hill. And, you know, he's, this is a little bit of an example of, you know, kind of what, uh, we're going to talk about. I presume we're going to talk about, um, with like the, the designated event guys that can get hot or, or that can play their, you can play your way into a designated event. He's not a great example of it. Cause he was like a top 50 player already, but he's a, he's a decent example of like, Oh, like Chris Kirk is having him uh, like a month, right? He's having a moment and that can be career changing. It, it's a little bit like, and I'm not saying this is true of Kirk, Although it might be, it's a little bit like uh, Horschel FedEx Cup in uh, what was that twenty fourteen? Uh, yeah, where he just rattled off two playoff events. 
where he wins, I think it was Cherry Hills. He wins a FedEx Cup. He he, he wins all this stuff. And you're like, wow, Billy, Billy Horschel had a career in six weeks or whatever, five weeks. And I think you might start to see more of that from the Horschels and Chris Kirks of the world, given the sort of structure that the PGA Tour is implementing. Big log jam behind these guys at four under. Here are the names all tied for fifth. Adam Shank, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, Aaron Rye, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Ricky Fowler, Keegan Bradley. Take your pick. My pick is Scotty Scheffler because he's already one for one in title defenses and trying to run it back again for this year. Via Jay Ray, Justin Ray on Twitter, two defending champions have started with a 68 at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Matt Every did it in 2015. Tiger Woods did it in 2009. Both of them would go on to capture victory so scotty scheffler is gonna have to deal with all these other names lurking and a john rom buzzsaw but he is still in position to complete what we have dubbed as the scotty slam well think about the scotty slam (laughs) think about how much we i was thinking about this after the round rick think about how much we'd be talking about scheffler if if not for rom right right and 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 that's that's a little bit of uh Scheffler is just – I think I think his personality a little bit matches his game where you, you listen to him and you watch him and you're like, okay, yeah, it's, it's good. He's solid. He's just like a solid guy, solid to listen to, has good stuff to say but nothing extraordinary. Um, he's, just, he's just solid. And then it's like 68 after 68 after 68 after 68. And he – you know, just keeps winning big events. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. Data Golf pointed this out, and I had seen it coming into this week. It, I, I can't remember what their time frame was, but the one that I looked at was last 50 rounds. Scheffler, and you probably have this too on Rick Run Good. Last 50 rounds, Scheffler had, um, was, was a better ball striker than John Rom, mm. which is crazy given how good and how hot uh, Rom has been speaking of ball striking, by the way, I looked up Cam Young stuff. He's been way better as a ball striker so far this season and just atrocious with his short game, which I didn't, I didn't, I don't know that I really realized that now he hasn't, he hasn't played a ton, but the uh, other thing is his best finish was the Saudi event, which we don't have any strokes yeah. game breakdown from. So it's like you assume he didn't punt five strokes in the short game and still finish second there. So it is a little bit tough, but yeah, that, that was kind of one thing that separated him from, cause not a lot of guys can hit it as well as he does off the tee and have the short game touch that separates him from a lot of guys. If you had, how about this? If you had to pick not, not a betting favorite, but like you are staking your, the future of your business on one guy to win the masters are you taking rom or scotty oh right like today you have to i don't know i mean it it probably is but scotty's been unbelievable yeah they have listen and i and i've been lucky enough you know we've we were we've been out on the road a little bit but i like i like just just being able to see those guys in person and see John Rom in person at Riviera and in Phoenix, it doesn't force. It does not feel normal and it doesn't feel fair and it's scary. 
Yeah, and, and it, it, I, I think I think what you're referencing and, and getting at, and people, if you've been out there watching Rom or you know, there's other guys that are like this, but it almost feels like, and I don't know if this is because his swing is the way it is or, or whatever, but it almost feels like he has more control than anybody else. Like he, he, he almost feels like the puppet master where he's controlling his ball and the tournament and the field and the everything. And that's kind of a weird way to look at it, but that's just, that's just how you feel when you're out there. I don't know that you can quantify that. I don't think there's stats around it, but I never feel that with Scotty. Uh, He's obviously tremendous and gifted and an amazing winner and had one of the best hundred start uh like the first hundred starts on the pj tour to his career but man rom it just he just and again this is not quantifiable and scotty's been a better ball striker but rom just it feels like he's in control of everything rom, and that could rom, go bad he, he's the could, son and everyone just orbits around him is it kind of feels like that right yeah even in a way that maybe Rory doesn't or, or JT doesn't. And, and that's not to say that those guys are, you know, not going to win. I'm just, I'm just telling you like how I feel when I'm around like the entire field. Completely agree. Speaking of a couple of those other notables, uh, just quickly here, Xander goes out, shoots a 68, four under he's in the mix. Can't let, we already mentioned in the mix, Rory McIlroy, uh, salvaged one at the end. He's uh, one over 73, which is not good, Kyle, but it's actually not horrible. He is currently in a tie for 68th. He is seemingly going to be on the correct end of the draw here. The scoring average was a hair over par. So he didn't even lose a full stroke to par, but uh, around Bay Hill, um, you know, Rory not taking advantage of some of the upper. I mean, he made a double on a par five, which is not very Rory McElroy-esque. No, that's not good. Uh, okay. So I watched some of his round. I haven't seen his numbers. I'm going to guess his approach play, his approach numbers were not good based on what I watched. He was uh, dead even on approach. Okay. Which for him is not good. For sure. Especially this year. He's been he's been terrific uh with his iron play so far this year. Uh listen, it's one round. You don't want to overact one round. But I did say coming into this week, this is a semi important run for Rory going into the Masters. I mean Listen, like he can be great in any given week. We saw that last year when he missed the cut at at, uh, at San Antonio, and then he finished a second at the Masters. So it's not like it's not like he needs uh, it's not like he necessarily needs momentum. But I think if you had to choose, you would have it, right? Like you you would rather have it than not have it. And I think yeah. there's a I, I think there's a sense of like let's say he misses the cut here I don't think he's going to or finishes t twenty seven or t thirty or whatever and then doesn't play well at the players next week I, I don't know like wh- wh- what is what's the vibe around Rory right now I, I don't it's it's certainly not what it is around Rom and Scheffler no. That might be good. We talked about this a little bit. Like, can is there any scenario in which Rory McIlroy now year what eleven? It's like uh, more than that. Okay. Are you talking about at Augusta? Yes. I think it's like fourteen. Okay, so it's probably what 
eight of trying to complete the career grand slam? Oh, uh, f- uh, 14. So not, yeah. Eight or nine. Okay. So is there any scenario in which year nine of trying to complete the career grand slam that Rory McIlroy flies under the radar into Augusta national? And would that be good for him? Or is it just not, it's just impossible. I mean, Tiger will be there. Rom might have three more wins before we get there. <laughs> Scotty will be defending. The live guys will be there. Is there any scenario in which Rory is storyline six? I don't know. I mean, what we don't, we definitely do not need to get into this after the first round of the Arnold Palmer. <laughs> but what is the what is the what is the path? This is this is a little bit like my question of like what is the path for live to succeed? Because I don't I don't know what it is or, or to make money. What is the path for Rory to win the Masters? Is it like to you personally? Is it coming in as a world beater? Nobody can beat him on fire like can't lose to anybody thumping his chest shooting 65 in round one it's over Vince Carter after 18 holes or is it missing the cut at the Texas open changing his ball going into Augusta a little bit lost and then he shoots like 69 in round one and you're like oh, okay whatever and then all of a sudden he just pops on the weekend you're like oh my gosh Rory's gonna win the Masters yeah I actually kind of liked the br- blueprint the blueprint from last year minus how far up Scotty was right where it's just like this freedom this chaser's freedom to get into it on the weekend where he hangs around and whatever and something happens at the top and things shake up and you the, the dust settles with five holes to go and he's tied for the lead. And now it's like, yeah. oh, let's go. <laughs> the problem is that's not how you that's not how he wins n- traditionally. And it's not how really anybody it, it's very difficult to win that way, right? And there's a reason for that. And Rory is is the one of the great front runners in golf history, right? Where, where he just, he just starts doing stuff where you're like, Oh, this is, I mean, kind of what Scotty did last year. The problem is I think he's at, at the point in his career with Augusta where let's say he somehow shoots like three sixty fives here, wins Arnold Palmer, wins players, uh, finishes third in match play. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is the year. I almost feel like he's at the point in his career where, he he would get uh, so in his own head about yes. okay this is my last great shot at it I'm right. playing the best I'm ever going to play this, and then shoot like 75 in round one correct right so, so that's why we need low expectations get hot on Friday get in the mix and then just kind of chaos and he comes out of it yeah I, yeah maybe I, I just again I think you'd rather have momentum than not but momentum for somebody like Rory creates some, I think, uh, mental hurdles that are not present for everybody else. So I'm talking myself into like nine different things here. I don't really know what the best route for him is. I just know he's not playing the kind of golf he was at the end of 2023 or 2022. And I'm curious about just how that goes over the next month going into the Masters. So I think that's a really, uh, I think that's a really big storyline one of the top three or four storylines is not not rory and the masters but rory leading up to the masters and what where his game is at 
Uh, believe it or not, this is a round one recap for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, <laughs> and we will have the betting Allegedly. odds to win this event. And we do have to have a quick conversation around the uh, new elevated event format that the PGA Tour is seemingly going to adopt for 2024. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. The betting odds. Uh, John Rahm nearly already even money against the rest of the field. Plus 140. I, I saw that. Plus 140 over at uh, Caesar. Scotty Scheffler, seven and a half to one. He's obviously uh, three shots back looking to defend his titles. Andrew Shoffley, 12 to one, along with Patrick Cantlay. Cam Young's odds have uh, dropped from 36 to one pre event to 18 to one. And then Ricky Fowler at 24. Keegan Bradley at 28 KP. That's the top it, of the board there. Yeah. You know what's interesting about this, Rick, is. I see Ricky Fowler's name. I see Keegan Bradley's name. I see Cam Young's name. I don't see Jordan Spieth's name. Yeah, and that's the that's the one that uh, I've circled. <laughs> Thirty to one, three shots back. Prolific winner Jordan Spieth. Thirty to one. So are you that that implies because he is tied with Xander. He is tied with Cantlay. That implies that those two guys are two and a half times as likely to win from this same spot at the API than Jordan Spieth is. Is that, that does not seem reasonable. No, it doesn't. Uh, by the end of this pod, I'm going to have finished my, uh, <laughs> my numbers on him, but um, yeah, I, no, it, it does not. I, I 30. I mean, I, I just wrote a recap of round one for cbsports.com. And Spieth was the, the name that I called out. Do I think he's going to win Arnold Palmer? No, not really. But do I think he's better at 30 than Cantlay at 12? Kind of. Right? Like That's I mean, the that's number the thing, that stood out by, like, by it, far. And, and this was my headline on it is don't let Spieth's putter get hot. Because, <laughs> you can, I mean, Spieth starts bucking his head on these greens and it's, it's, it's going to be a boat race. I... I I, I don't know. It was just a curious line after what he did and what, I mean, he's been hitting the ball pretty well um, for three or four tournaments. Uh, Pebble wasn't great, but he's, I mean, we, we talked about it in Phoenix, right? Like he hit it well. He's also just like capable of winning despite himself kind of deal, right? Like what he did at Harbortown last year, which is one of the, uh, one of the most strokes a winner has ever lost with the putter, like in the shot link era. I think there was only a handful of, of other guys yeah. who had, who had been like, he's just, he's capable of winning in ways you're not supposed to win. And to say that he is two and a half, or at least can't lay in Xander are two and a half times more likely to win than him is like, feels very wrong. Okay, I've got the numbers. Last okay. uh, seven starts. So this is four in Phoenix, I think. Yeah, four in Phoenix, missed the cut at Genesis, so two there, mm -hmm. and then one this week. So seven total. He's gained 13 strokes on approach and lost four and a half on the greens. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so that's a, a, a two-stroke-per-round rate on approach is like elite, 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 insane stuff. And even though he's been struggling with the putter, like that's well below his any type of baseline that you want to go with. Like this is again, this feels like the pendulum is going to swing back too far. Like the the tide has gone way out. Uh, it's coming way in, right? Take your thirty to one ticket and get to higher ground. Yeah, 
or whatever. What's his math? Producer Josh, can you pull up the master's numbers? I can't believe we're talking about the master's today, but whatever his master's number is, I bet it's shorter when we get to Augusta. Uh, it's it's probably, wait, let me guess. I bet it's, uh, he's impossible there. Uh, 18. I don't 20, know. 20. Okay. 20 to one. Here I bet, the guy, I bet here it's, the guys I bet it's 14. I bet it's 14 on Thursday, the masters. For sure. He'll, he'll be bet down like crazy. Here's here are the guys that are ahead of him. Shorter odds. Colin Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, Cam Smith. I've heard of him. Just uh, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, John Rom. What's what's Rory at? Nine to one. Would you rather have Rory at nine or Spieth at eighteen? Rory at nine. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather have Spieth at nine. I think. <laughs> 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 I'd rather have Spieth at nine than Rory at 18. <laughs> <laughs> You're sick. Uh, the new format. So let's talk. Oh, about this. gosh. Oh, Golf, gosh. Twitter. Golf Twitter is very upset about this. So I had to take a, I had, I took 24 hours off. I, I couldn't do it. The, I guess this is, I don't know what's official and what's not official, but this has been what approved by the people. The players, the committee, I don't know. There's a, there's an official thing about this where basically there will be the designated events are likely going to be fields of 70 to 78 players with no cut. The other items that have come out of this new structure is that the PIP uh, will come down, which I think is smart. The other things that will come out is essentially the cadence of these elevated events, which will likely be two elevated events, three non-elevated events, two elevated events, three non-elevated events, et cetera, et cetera. And the idea being that on those three non-elevated events, uh, they're like little sprints where golfers can earn their way into elevated events. So for example, Honda Classic last week, non-elevated event. Let's say that was the first one of a little sprint. Chris Kirk, and well, Chris Kirk would get in because he won, but like Eric Cole would be very much in the mix to get into the next pair of elevated events because he had a good start there and guys can earn their way in by getting hot. Yeah, so uh, we, sh we sh could do a whole pod on this. By the way, breaking news. From Golf Week, Adam Shupak reporting that Pebble is going to be a designated event next year. Not shocking because I think Jack Nicholas talked about this on the broadcast last yeah, week. Don't tell something. your secrets to Jack. He's going to go on air and spill the beans. Yeah, that was weird. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about what, uh, yeah, just what that looks like with the other. Sorry, having microphone troubles. What that <laughs> what looks like with happening? I don't know what that looks like with the other the other designated events. Um, I think Rick that I have. So this report first comes out from Eamon Lynch, and it was like this cascading effect throughout the day where you'd get uh, you would get uh, press conferences with guys talking about it. You'd get people's takes on it. You get video. I mean, there was just so much information that kept coming out. And my initial reaction, Rick was like, man, this is not good. I don't like this. It, it felt WGC ish to me. And I think that I think I was wrong about that. 
I think it is mostly good. And I think the reason is it provides, it makes more things important than are important right now. Right? Right now, the Valspar Championship doesn't, like, what 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 does it mean? Like, what, um, what are we doing? I see what you're saying. Now, if X number of guys from the Valspar can get into whatever the next elevated event is, right? all of a sudden, the Valspar has tremendous meaning because it, it sort of feeds into this uh, king of the hill type uh, hierarchy, right? And I think the other thing that it gives a lot of meaning to is the FedEx Cup. Because and this this kind of flew under the radar. Dan Rappaport had a had a memo from Monahan to the players, and it said the designated events are no longer mandatory, and they would be releasing new FedEx Cup structures for all the tournaments, and that's good because it's going to incentivize. Like before, Joseph Lamagna was talking about this. Player John Rahm's incentivized to play the 3M, to play Wyndham, to play the bad events. If he if he actually wanted to win the FedEx Cup, like if that was his real goal. And so, if I say, "Oh, well, John Rahm's not playing those events," then the implication is he doesn't really care about the FedEx Cup. Which the implication is the FedEx Cup doesn't matter, right? It, it's sort of baked into the league and you can tell it doesn't matter because that's the implication, right? And so now the FedEx Cup is is going to matter. The FedEx Cup points at the end of the year because the top 50 get into the designated events the following year. FedEx Cup matters. January FedEx Cup standings, guess what? They matter because 10 guys or whatever are getting into the next designated event. So it just it kind of heightens the importance of some stuff. <clears throat> Okay, I generally I generally agree with your take. I I do like the idea that right the the Valspar and the Honda are going to matter more because it's a it's a natural pathway into the events that are going to matter more. I'm on board with that. I think that that is sellable. I think I think if it if it is not called the Whoop Sprint to Riviera, we're doing something wrong here, right? Like go sell that right now. The prob the only problem I have is 78 players with no cut. Yeah, uh, I'm I agree and that's the part that I don't like. Why can't we do 100 players with a cut? Well, that was Andy Johnson's proposal and he wrote a, he wrote an article for the Friday that I thought was really good. Max Homa's argument against that was and I think this was from Monahan was that it makes the Honda uh you don't get you don't get names or players in that event therefore the honda will eventually go away which i i'm curious what you think about that it doesn't have to if you rotate the elevated events and you well, sell your yeah. sponsorships based on once out of every 4 years honda is getting an elevated event the other argument around it ensures the top players are going to be there on the weekend so that sponsors are getting Rory on Saturday and Sunday. In my opinion, I understand it is BS garbage. I don't care about that. You know who cares about that? The CEO of Workday cares about that. I don't care about that. These guys make a ton of cuts. And if you are getting 
if you are getting 20 stars in these events for a hundred players and a T65 and tie cut, are two guys going to miss the cut and you're going to be left with 18 stars? Am I supposed to be offended by that as the, as, as a, as a fan? Wait, hold on. Give me that scenario again. So, so here's the the argument. The argument, right, is we need our stars here on the weekend. Yeah. And no cut guarantees that they're going to be here on the weekend. I, I, I'm with you. I, I hate the no cut. Here's the thing that felt a little have your cake and eat it too ish to use a term that was, (laughs) that was, you know, blown up last year. We're a meritocracy. That's what we're staking our future on. We're we're the meritocracy. We're the competitive league. We're the one that matters. And I think this does like um, it does reflect that. However, however, the no cut thing is is not. It, so it, it's almost like you're you're trying to have the competitiveness with also the entertainment side, which is like. Most people are not you, Rick. Most people just want to go have a beer at the Phoenix Open and see JT play two holes. I mean, you, 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 we experience that, right? Yes. And so you, you're you're a little bit trying to have the competitive and the entertainment with uh, the no cut and the sponsor exemption. Four sponsor exemptions into these designated events. I, I don't I don't love that because I get that it's like for ta- just create a tiger exemption. I don't care what you do with tiger. Don't give me four sponsor exemptions because at that point, you know, Rory Rory said on Wednesday, like, hey, if you don't play well at these top events, you're not going to be in them next year. Well, that's not true for for Rory and for JT and for think about Ricky Fowler. I was thinking about him today. You know what he would have been in for the last five years, even though he was playing bad golf all the designated events. That's not good. Like if, if you truly want a meritocracy, that's not a good look for your league. You, you if you want to, been... if, if you want a tiger only exemption, do uh, whatever. I don't care. Like he's earned whatever you want to give him, but don't, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't love like sort of the mixture of entertainment and meritocracy. You've been very good at reminding people that Jay Monahan has an unenviable position in which he has stakeholders that he needs to make them all happy. Sponsors, players like Rory McElroy, players like Bo Hostler, fans, different segments of fan. He has to make them all happy and they're uh, desires, wants, and needs rarely overlap. It is a very uh, unenviable position to be in. So I, I, I understand the difficulty here. Um, and I think for the most part, the changes that have been made are, are are generally all very good. I just personally think we should be at a little bit larger fields with a cut. Um, the other thing, Kyle. I, I agree, by the way. I don't yeah. disagree with that. I, we're on the same page with that. I, I, it's a, it's a small thing to quibble over, I guess. I I think the other thing it does, there, there is going to be churn like in these, in this, um, in the designated events, which is a good thing, which there's not in, it's not live because there's no, there's very, very little churn in live year over year. There's actually more churn week or designated event to designated event on the PJ tour than there is year over year on live, which is, so save your arguments on that. Um, I forgot the other thing I was going to say. What were you just talking about? 
uh, we were just saying that this is an unenviable position to be in and that there are different stakeholders and it's generally a good thing, but the no cut. Oh yeah. It, I think, I think what's interesting, and this was sort of the argument I was trying to make on Wednesday is, is what they did is sort of shine a light on the middle class where the middle class is now going to be playing more of the Honda classic stuff and the Valspar stuff or whatever the non-designated events are. And that almost, it almost pushes down the guys on the corn ferry who are trying to rise up. Now the argument is like, if guys are truly great on the corn ferry, they're trying to rise up, they should be able to beat the Chris Kirk's and the Billy Horschel's or Billy Horschel's not middle-class, but whoever the middle-class guys are that are getting pushed down into the Honda and the Valspar. So I don't know. I don't know where I eventually uh, land on that. I, I have two more things. One, I think is we should probably also remember that think about how much has changed in the last 18 or 12 months. Like we might do one year of this and there might be, they might say, okay, one hour we're going to go to 120. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I think there's a lot of stuff that is still going to change um, or could change. My other thing, Kyle, and this is completely, so, so I, I'm now officially on the record. I think this is generally very good. I would prefer uh, you know, 100 or 120 with a cut. I'm on the record with that. I also think, just from an optics standpoint, that if we sat in a room, you and I sat in a room with all of our stakeholders, and <laughs> the conclusion that we came to that the best thing that we could do was 78 players and no cut, I think someone in the room should have said, Hey guys, Liv's gonna like torch us for this. Should yeah. we should we just like go to a hundred and have a cut? Should we go to, should we just do 70 and like top 50 get through well, to a cut? You know what I mean? Like I, I, I just couldn't believe that after all of this optics wise, yeah. they allowed this to happen. It's a good point. And Spieth actually talked about that today. He was interviewed about it and he said, uh, he said, listen, like Liv didn't even really come up in our meetings and you're like, well, maybe it should have, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I would have done with that, Rick? I would have said, hey, we're going to be like the Masters. We're going to have there you go. not not U.S. Open fields, but we're going to have like Masters fields. Yeah. And, and, and you, you almost attach the uh, psychology of it to Augusta instead of to live, right? And that's just a much better attachment. And you say, hey, we're going to have uh, 90 player fields or 80, whatever. You could do it in the 80s. I mean, the Masters has 80 player, 85 player fields. And then on the weekend, we're going to cut it down to 50. And you're like, man, that actually is like, that's kind of a meaningful cut, right? And again, the commercialization of that, I don't think it necessarily works, or at least that's the argument that the tour would make. But if you truly wanted like a competitive meritocracy, like this is the real deal type stuff, I think that would have been a pretty good move. Yes. I agree. So, um, that's basically that anything else that we missed on this? News? Well, I, I, I wish they would kind of unleash the corn fairy stuff. And so you could almost have this storyline of like, Hey, this guy started, this guy was a, a qualifier into the corn fairy tour this year. And he played his way into the, 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 the non elevated and then he played his way into the elevated, which would be just like, it, it would be like one of those English Premier League stories, but instead of over years, it's over weeks or months, 
which is sort of how golf works. I think that would be, and maybe they will eventually do that. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, there is kind of an opportunity. Um, I don't want to say to like do away with the corn fairy, but you could almost have, you're naturally going to get now, now there's three levels. Now there's going to be basically three tours. It's going to be PGA tour plus PGA tour corn fairy, where if they were much more integrated with one another, like I would love to see uh, an integrated ranking system, right? Where, where guys can, I don't know, kind of fly up, fly down, get into these events, make runs. I, I think, I think, I mean, again, I, I, I'm speaking of things I know nothing about, and I'm sure logistically it is like way harder, but I think that that would be pretty cool. What, what do you think the PGA tour should use as their ranking system? If they were to implement that, Distance or what do you shot. think, what do you think was, what do you think was suggested that they should use if they did something like that? Uh, I'm sure it's the SI. <laughs> I think, you know, the actual answer. I think I do. Um, let's see. I, I had a couple more things. Uh, that might've been it. I think we talked about, it. I, I just, I loved the, and I think the thing that they nailed is this idea that Eric Cole can play his way into the designated events. Yes. Like and that, you know what? Until you said that, I was kind of like, when you were like the Valspar is now more important. I was like, actually, yeah, it kind of is now because it used to be nothing. And well, now, it used to just be like it, it kind of was like this with like a little a little hump every now and then. Yeah. Now it's and actually now it's like, pretty darn like meaningful. This. Yeah, it's yeah. a path. It's a pathway. Yeah, and I don't agree. It, it, I think I think strangely, the tour almost made the non-designated. <laughs> they improved those almost more than they improved the designated. <laughs> yeah, they kind of did. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think you could make that argument. I don't know if I again we 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 gotta see some of this stuff play out because I think it's gonna be I, I think the the frustrating thing that I had is like you you go to Phoenix this year, you went to Riviera this year, those are freaking big time all world events. And then the tour is like, actually, we're gonna we're gonna change those a little bit. And you're like, ah, they, they they seem so perfect, right? Yeah, that was the other thing. The 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 current elevated event system has been a raging success. By yeah. the way, let's change it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think you I think you could have done that with again by going to a hundred or ninety or whatever and having the cut, and people would have been like, meh. Okay, I, I, I okay, I, I think I can get on board with that. But just the the seventy eight with no cut is, it's it's too much. It's too much change from like the success that they're that they're currently having. I think. I agree, and it I makes agree. it makes it makes Thursday and Friday not as meaningful. Correct. Yes. Exactly. Our, our our two best Tiger moments from the last two years have been have been Tiger. Uh, well, I guess playing wise have been tiger trying to make the cut at Riviera and tiger trying to make the cut at Southern Hills. Right. I mean, the open was different cause that was a whole other thing, but I don't know. It, it just creates some meaning. Like if you, I mean, think about the cut at the masters, that's a big deal to make the cut at the masters. It's, it's, it's meaningful. And I think you can kind of get some of that on the tour, except when you eliminate the cut altogether. Right. It might change. We'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. Okay. Well, our 15 minute rounds, one Arnold Palmer invitational recap has now gone 47 and a half minutes. So we are 
in mid-season form on these. <laughs> Uh, dare I ask anything else that we need to talk about before we get out of here? Nah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, we could go another hour on this, but, uh, <laughs> a, a fascinating week, a fun day of golf and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back to wrap it up on you and I, you'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back on Sunday to wrap it up. I love it. All right. Uh, big thanks to producer Josh. If you are not watching on YouTube, Get your act together. We've got graphics. We've got shots. We've got we've got a bunch of stuff. Join us on YouTube. Uh, follow Kyle on Twitter at KylePorterCBS. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.